0: just want to read firstly just one passage tonight and that's in Philippians chapter 2, that's page 1418 in these Bibles. Page 1418 verse 6, Philippians chapter 2 verse 6, Christ Jesus, who's subsisting in the form of God, did not esteem it an object of rapine or robbery to be on an equality with God, but emptied himself, taking a bondman's form, taking his place in the likeness of men, and having been found in figure as a man, humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death, and that the death of the cross. Wherefore also God highly exalted him, and granted him a name, that which is above every name, now that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of heavenly and earthly and infernal beings and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to God, the Father's glory. We've been thinking at Christmas time about the coming in of the Lord Jesus into Bethlehem's manger, coming in into this world as the saviour of the world. We've been thinking about him come, being born into the humble circumstances of the manger, sharing a sleeping place with the animals. We've been thinking about that over the Christmas time. But this passage gives us more detail. It gives us the bigger picture. It enables us to see in a greater way really what was done and what Jesus did. Now, some of this might be a bit difficult, so I'll explain it. So it says in verse six of six, the first verse I read Christ Jesus, who subsisting in the form of God. In other words, the Lord Jesus is equal with God. The Lord Jesus is the son of God. In him, it says all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That means all of the majesty and glory of God is in Jesus. When people saw Jesus, they could see God. God manifest in flesh. How wonderful that is. That makes all the difference, doesn't it? It makes all the difference because it means that Jesus is different and special from any other person who has ever lived on the earth. Every single person throughout the whole history of the world, apart from Jesus, has been a human being like us, makes mistakes like us, falls into sin, does the wrong thing. Even from the very, very beginning, Adam and Eve did the wrong thing and they did just what God told them not to do. Every single human being. So we're all the same, aren't we? We like to think that we're a bit different, don't we? Sometimes we like to think that we're a bit better than somebody else. We like to think that we're cut above the rest or we're a bit better than that person. We're not quite as evil or bad as that person. But the Bible tells us, first of all, that we're all the same, from the very youngest to the very oldest. And yet Jesus is unique; he stands out. And it says he was in the form of God. He was—it was not an object of rapine to be on an equality with God. In other words, he's equal with God. How many evidences there are about Jesus being equal with God in the in the Scriptures? He can command the storm. He can tell the storm to be quiet. That means it's the creator. He can raise the dead. That means he's the life giver. He can heal the sick. That means he's the great physician. How much sickness there is in the world today. Physical sickness, spiritual sickness, sickness of all kinds. And multitudes, crowds and crowds of people came to Jesus and they were all healed read the gospels and we can see how many many people were healed by coming to jesus and jesus is doing the same today healing healing from the sickness of sin healing from all kinds of diseases but jesus is equal with god what a statement that is what an amazing statement that is you don't need to turn to it but just to give us an idea of how much greater god is than us There's a few verses, there's a few questions in Job chapter 38. I can read it to you, but if you want to look it up, it's page 683 in these Bibles. Page 683. When uh, we sit an exam sometimes, or a test at school or other times, sometimes we open an exam question and we look at the question. And we think, I really wish I hadn't seen that question. Sometimes we feel, how on earth am I going to answer that question? Well, God asks some questions in this passage which we cannot answer. So God says in verse thirty, Job chapter 38, verse 4, for example, there's quite a few. Job chapter 38, verse 4. Where wast thou when I founded the earth? Declare if you have understanding. Who set the measures thereof, if thou knowest, or who stretched a line upon it? Whereupon were the foundations sunken, or who laid its cornerstone? So God is saying to Job, God is actually speaking to Job out of the whirlwind, and he says to Job, Where were you when I made the earth? We can't answer questions like that, can we? Where were you when I made the foundations of the earth those are questions that man can't even begin to answer we just don't have the answers do we we like to think in this modern age that we have the answers to everything man doesn't have any hardly any of the real answers to all the real questions the fear of jehovah is the beginning of wisdom if you have a knowledge and fear and respect for god According to the Bible, that is the beginning of wisdom. If you don't have respect for God or believe in God, you actually don't have any true wisdom at all. Isn't that amazing? All the clever people that say that they're atheists and might be scientists and all kinds, they don't have any true knowledge or wisdom at all. They haven't even begun. Isn't that amazing? Another question that Job asks—God asks, asks uh, God asks Job is, On the next page, Job chapter 38, verse 31. (coughs) Can you fasten the bands of the Pleiades or loosen the cords of Orion? Do you bring forth the constellations each in its own season? It's talking about the stars. When we go out of the uh, away from the, the, the town and away from the into the country, uh, on, a, on a clear night, you see many millions of beautiful stars in the sky. And God is saying to Job, can you arrange the stars? Can you arrange the stars the way they are in the sky? Can you do that? What an amazing question. Man, man can't even begin to answer questions like that. We have, and that, that shows the greatness of God, doesn't it? It shows the wonder and the majesty of who he is. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ was equal with God's. He came into this world in Bethlehem's manger and he was equal with God's. That's too much for us to take in, isn't it? But it's the good news of the gospel, dear friends, is the next part of what I read here. It says in verse seven in this passage, Philippians two, verse seven, he emptied himself. That means he humbled himself he took a bondman's form a servant's form he took the place of a slave or a servant the lowest place the very lowest place that could be taken jesus took that place he took his place in the likeness of men in other words he became like us he was born into bethlehem's manger he lived in nazareth he lived in a, a, a broken, sinful world, just like us. He lived in a world where horrible things happen, where people are hor- nasty to each other, where, where there's unfairness, injustice. He lived in a, a cruel world, just like we live in. And he's been found in figure as a man, but he humbled himself. That means he stepped down. He, he lowered himself into the lowest place. And not only that, he was also obedient, even unto death. We don't like being obedient sometimes, do we? Obedient means doing what we're told, when we know that it's the right thing to do it. We're all naturally disobedient, every single one of us. We know that when we're told to do something, and we know it's the right thing, we don't want to, often don't want to do it, do we? Jesus was obedient, even unto death. He was obedient to his father, his Father, even though it meant going to the cross for you and for me. Even though it meant a horrible, awful, painful death, he was there. He went there for you and for me. He went there, dear friends, because he knew that you would have no other hope. You would have no other hope of redemption. You would have no other hope of being saved. From the effects of our sin the effects of our sin is that we will be separated from god forever if people shut god out of their life eventually god says you can have it your way how sad that is people make bad choices in life don't they they make bad choices and sometimes they have to pay the price of it for the rest of their lives maybe we've all done that God says, if you shut me out of your life, eventually I'll just honour that. I'll give you what you ask for. How serious and awful that is. But the gospel is, is presented tonight. The gospel is preached tonight so that you might not be like that. So that you would actually realise your need of the Lord Jesus. He was obedient even unto death and that the death of the cross. As we know in, from Sunday school and as we learn very, very often. The cross was where Jesus was nailed. Jesus was put on that cross. He was nailed there for you and for me. He was dying on our behalf. He went that way to bear the punishment that was rightfully deserved by us. He died the death we deserve to die. And that is the power of the gospel. That is the power of what Jesus has done because he can offer full and free forgiveness because of what he has done. When Jesus was on the cross, he said some very, very interesting things. The words of Jesus from the cross are really worth reading in your Bible and studying very carefully. Some Bibles have got the words of Jesus in red, all of the words of Jesus. That's very special. But the words of Jesus from the cross are even more special. He said things like, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As he was being crucified He said to God, Father, forgive them. How powerful that forgiveness is and how much we need forgiveness, dear friends. Every single person in this room, every single person in this world so desperately needs forgiveness from God. There's no forgiveness except through the Lord Jesus Christ. But another thing that Jesus said was it is finished. He said it is finished. Not I am finished. It is finished. And that means that he had done the work of redemption. He had paid the price of sin for all who will put their trust in him. And every true Christian knows that that work that he did on, the, on Calvary's cross was enough to satisfy our holy God. And that is the wonder of the gospel. No matter what we have done, no matter how evil we have been in the past, no matter all of our dark secrets and everything that God we have done that we don't want people to know, but God knows everything. All of those things, God is able to wash those things away from our record because of the power of the blood of Jesus. How wonderful that is. We're in the last day of 2023 and the most wonderful thing for you to receive would be the Lord Jesus Christ as your Saviour. Some people may have got very nice Christmas presents. But the greatest thing that you can ever receive, dear friends, I can promise you, is receiving Christ into your heart and life. There is no greater gift that you can receive. You will not find a greater gift the world over, throughout all of time and throughout the whole of the world. There is no greater gift than the gift of forgiveness of sins and the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Every true believer knows that that is of infinite price. Everything the world gives you has a a price and it all fades away. What God gives you lasts for all eternity. There is no comparison between what God gives us in the gospel and what anything the world can give us. I was reading the other day about a verse that said, the Lord Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and yet lose his soul. So even if someone owned the whole world, and yet loses his soul, he will will lose out. What a powerful message that is. But the greatness of the gift is, I cannot describe for you, but you have to receive it. It's no good leaving a gift wrapped up under the Christmas tree, and just ignoring it, is it? You have to open it. You have to receive it. And every single... Every single person's name is on this invitation. Every single person's name is on this invitation. Jesus died the death of the cross. And then from verse 9 we find what happened to Jesus afterwards. Because this is the great hope of the gospel. God highly exalted him. The tomb was empty. The grave was empty. They guarded the the grave with soldiers. Why would a dead man need to be guarded with soldiers? They put soldiers in front of the tomb to make sure that he wouldn't come out. That didn't make any difference. An angel came down from heaven, rolled away the stone and sat on it. And Mary was the first person to meet Jesus after he had risen from the dead. That, dear friends, is the greatest event in history. Jesus has broken the power of death. There's no greater promise than that. If we put our faith and trust in Jesus, no matter how old or young we are, Jesus has broken the power of death for us. This afternoon we were reading about a passage about believers, Christians, who die. Remember, we have had two funerals this year, at least two. Believers who die are asleep in Jesus. How wonderful that is. They're just asleep the Lord Jesus Christ will come again for all who have trusted in him. And he's been granted a name. Jesus has highly exalted him and he's been given a name, that which is above every name. There is no greater name in the world than the name of Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. That's the verse we've got on the building at the front at the moment. Every knee should bow of heavenly and earthly and infernal beings and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to God the Father's glory. The gospel tonight, dear friends, is an invitation to bow the knee to Jesus, to put our faith and trust in him and recognise that he was on the cross for the bad things that we've done, to repent of our sins and put our faith and trust in what he has done at Calvary's cross, dear friends, to bow the knee to him now, because there is coming a time when every knee shall bow to him. But the opportunity you have tonight, dear friends, is to bow the knee to him tonight in your heart to recognize him as king of kings and lord of lords and have the sure and certain hope that he is coming again for all who have trusted in him. There's a wonderful verse in John chapter 10, which I read just earlier today. John chapter 10, and he's talking about. Followers of Jesus, John 10 verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them life eternal and they shall never perish and no one shall seize them out of my hand. No one shall seize them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than me and no one can seize them out of the hand of my Father. Once we've put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're truly born again, and we've, we've asked him to be our Saviour, no one can take, him, take us out of his hand. No one. What a wonderful promise that is, dear friends. May each one of us have trusted in him as their Lord and Saviour. May each one of us receive that unspeakable gift the gift of infinite value that god is offering to us tonight through our lord jesus christ for his name's sake